This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Bookmark with me, Uma Fagan Amphike Fagan. Joining me on the show today to talk about his storytelling project, hashtag Sajarah Kita, is my good friend, writer, journalist, and all around clever chap, Nikki Cheung. Nikki, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I so, before we start with hashtag Sajarakita, tell me what's going on at Quill City Mall because this is part of a exhibition that is currently happening until the 16th yes. of September, right? Yes, that's right. So this the event is called Rasa Sayang um, and it's basically three main elements. It's tempat kita, makanan kita and sejarah kita. Right. So the idea is just to, to commemorate 60 years since uh, Merdeka. Um, this uh, Cool City Mall is kind of putting together this whole thing where they have about 60 pop-up food stalls um, so people can go there and kind of try different food from all around the country up to September 17. At the same time, there'll be performances um, in tempat kita, so performing arts, theatre and things like that. And then for the whole period as well, that's where Sejarah Kita comes in. We are the permanent kind of content exhibition of the project. Right. So Sejarah Kita is something you've been doing for a while now. Am I right in thinking since 2012? 2013. All right, yes. 2013. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't call it Sejarah Kita, but so Sejarah Kita is something that um, a, a, a kind of a catch-all that we put together for this year because it's a fifth year, uh, fifth edition of this storytelling project that I've been working on together with Kaki Sani. Um So in 2013, basically what we decided to do was we'll say, we said, let's go around the whole country and just look for one or two people off the streets and collect Malaysian stories um, to celebrate 60 years of Malaysia Day. Um, and it's just something that's continued every year. So every year we collect another 10, 15 stories. Um, and this year was a fifth edition. And we thought that to commemorate the five years, we'll put together Sejarakita, which is really about saying that these stories are, are part of our nation's collective histories. Yeah. And I think there's far too little that's been done to chronicle that. I mean, one of my biggest, I guess, gripes is that we don't do anything quite like StoryCorps in the US, where it's you know, it kind of champions the importance of these personal stories and personal histories. Yeah, and these are things that people are generally interested in because it's about them, us, right? It's not about Parameswara and it's not about, you know, dates of Alfonso de Albuquerque and that kind of things, right? These are people, these are things that we can relate to. 1511. 1511. <laughs> so all of these dates I are very important. I almost my history in school. Maybe that's why I don't like it so much. No, but the idea that, you know, we, we people uh, in KL, for example, have things in common with our uh, countrymen and women in, in Kelantan, in Perlis, in Sabah, in Sarawak, you know, and, and that's what I was trying to bring about because we all grew up in the same country. Um, we may be more urban and more rural and things, but there are so many things that are core to us and we can appreciate that. So when we went to Sabah in, 19, in 2013, uh, we was met... Was Sabah the first place you started collecting stories or was it closer to home? Uh, we we went, like literally we did it 13 states in 15 days. Whoa. So they were all very close. So I don't know which one came first, <laughs> right? Um, but we just bumped into this this Machi who was... Um, that that you know, like parking tickets instead of the machines that we have now. Right, yes. They used her to write the time and things and she was doing that. And then I realized that that's such a connection to us because we used to have so many of these things and these are things that I grew up with as well. So I wanted to kind of show people that there's so much more connections than the division that we often kind of talk about and well, see. Well then the politics and also I mean, you know, a lot of us the most that we know about Sabah and Sarawak. I'm just using that as an example, are the official histories that we have in our Sejarah textbooks. Yes. And even that, 
if I recall correctly, was so basic. It was such a basic two paragraphs, three paragraphs as to the sure. formation of Malaysia. Raja White and all that kind of things. Yeah, right? we didn't we didn't learn about I guess the Sarawak Agreement or the Sabah Agreement. We didn't learn the content of that when I was in school. No. It was just okay, all these countries came together, formed Malaysia, then Singapore left, then yeah, we're left to Sure, Malaysia but even with those Sarawak. are very kind of Historical narratives, exactly. you know. It's, there's no people narrative. Yeah, and I mean the idea. I think the people that we spoke to in in, in Sabah and Sarawak were people who, who through their stories, you could tell about their diversity, right? And that's how we learn about things. So we met um, this this guy in the um, they got the market where they sell the crafts, for example, and he was talking about his Filipino heritage. And because there's so many of them there, and these are things that we don't see in our textbooks, but they're so much part of our lives. Um, so these stories allow us to bring that up without having to go to the boring thing of like, in this year, they came over. Or, you know, in this year, this happened and that happened and we separated and all that kind of stuff. So back in 2013, what was the primary motivation or inspiration for this project? Do you remember the yes. conversations you had yes. before kicking it off? Yes. So I basically, I, I had just come back from spending about almost two years in the UK. Um, so I felt... Oh, I want, that, that'll do it. La. That will do it, right? <laughs> so I kind of felt like I needed to kind of reconnect um, with home. But the other thing as well was I felt that there was no Merdeka feel the same way that there was in the many uh, years that I grew and up. And also for the 50th, for example, yes. there was a big Merdeka celebration feel to it, yeah. right? Uh, that was Malaysia Direct, but there was a lot of hype in terms of kind of um, posters and things, but people weren't talking about it and people weren't excited. So I said, what can I do? And I wanted to kind of, and the whole idea is you kind of use these stories to bring people together. So with that, in that, in that, third, in that 15 days, every state that I went to, I brought two or three different people, bloggers, writers, photographers, um, artists and stuff. And I said, look, let's just go out together and find stories, right? It's not me writing all of them. It's about everybody kind of reconnecting um, and just visiting different places that we've never visited before. We brought some people to Burles and Kedah and they'd never been in their whole life. Wow. You know, that was my, f- that, I finally fulfill all 13 states in one trip. You have? Okay, so I still have a few outstanding. I have never been to Sarawak, just the one. Sarawak? No, oh, I've been fantastic. to Sabah and I think I've... Is driving through states, does that count? No, you have to go and spend some time there, right? I mean, I, I spent a day there, <laughs> la, okay? So I'll say... I'll say a... That's one better than me. La. That's one better than me. No, but, but... And tell me about these reactions because I think that what you brought up was very, very interesting. A lot of us are often, you know, we're, we're not a big country, but a lot of us are very stuck in our comfort zones. And because of that, um, we haven't ventured outside of the common places, Kuala Lumpur, especially if you're an urban person, Penang, JB. Uh, you might go to Trenganu because you want to go to an island somewhere, but that's about it, right? We've never spent time in Kotobaru, talking to the people of Kotobaru. Yeah. We read about them in newspapers every time an election rolls around every five years. Yeah, so I think what I found when I went with these trips with people is that it's not that people are not interested in this, it's that it doesn't occur to them, right? Because we don't, we, we see, I think in our urban psyche, we see ourselves as the urbanites and everybody else as non-urban. So we don't kind of think that there are things to kind of explore, even though we kind of, from a tourism perspective, we kind of go, oh, we want to go on a holiday, let's, you know, what is exotic? I'm using inverted commas in my fingers, okay, you can't see it. Um... <laughs> But I think that was what was the most interesting thing for me because after that, when we started kind of putting the idea that there are other things to explore, people were very interested. So in 2015, um, to recreate that, instead of sending people, because it's very expensive to send people out um, everywhere, we got a capsule 
and we sent a capsule state to state and got people in those states to fill it in with soil. Nice. Kind of to recreate the whole tanah air, like literal tanah air. Um, but that allowed us to kind of tell stories of each people in each state without having to go out there, you know. So I want to kind of plant the idea, so to speak, that there are things to explore and there are different people um, and there are things to see without, even if it is all just non-KL. And how easy or difficult was it to get people to talk and share their stories? Because oh, Malaysians are so not... so difficult. Right? We're not, we're not all that expressive, especially when it comes to talking about ourselves. And I think yeah. that's, that's a very cultural thing, right? Ever since yeah. uh, we were children, we were told by our parents, you know, don't blow your own trumpet, don't talk about yourself. If you do something good, other people should, yes. you know, tell you, right? Actually, it's not difficult to get people to talk. It's difficult to allow them to let you use it on record. Oh, correct. As soon as the record button on the mic comes up. Or a camera comes on and everything. So I'll tell you, this year, so this year, our, our main thing was um, tahun because it's 60 years since uh, Merdeka. Merdeka. So we wanted to kind of interview people who were born in 1957. Okay. And the idea is not so much about talking about Merdeka, but getting them to tell us their life stories so that we can see the different people who grew up in different areas and different states and everything and, and what their lives were. And I had a list of like 40 people. I was thinking it's going to be so difficult. How do you find 60-year-old people, right? Um, I had a list. And I can tell you three quarters turned me down the moment they realized that it's going to go on the internet, when it's going to be a big photo of them in a shopping center, you know. Um, people yeah. are afraid to put themselves out there. And I think half of it, half of the, half of the reason why has to do with the fact that Yes, the internet can be a traumatic place sometimes and people only read about the bad stuff mm-hmm. that happens. Meanwhile, you know, the kind of work you do every year, every Merdeka, every Malaysia Day is an incredibly positive thing. The whole point of this is to kind of put out positive stories amid all this kind of things that we're seeing in our country and the world at the moment, you know, um, and that has been the whole intention. Um, it's The last two years have been harder because I haven't been around. And, and while I have a lot of kind of colleagues, friends and all who are helping with their projects... Um, I find that because it's in my head, it's always easier when I sit down with somebody and explain to them what I'm trying to do. Uh, so it's harder to do that remotely. Um, so the convincing has been a bit more difficult when it has to be done through WhatsApp and emails, you know. Talk to us about some of the great stories you discovered. I mean, I'm sure there was some that made you cry. Those are always the best stories. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to choose stories because... I think we've, we've got a collection of maybe about almost 100 stories oh, over the last five years. I mean, right? those oral histories are so important. Yeah. And I, so I don't know which is the best because every year we have a different theme as well. So they kind of speak to different, different things. But I think what I like the most is that these are all ordinary people. Yeah. And my whole life I've been... I mean, this, story, this, this project came about, the idea came about because my whole life I've been spending telling people stories as a journalist. right? I started at 16-year-old... Um, I was rafting down Sungai Perak, visiting village to village with, with the Star Brats. Um, and these are the things that kind of invoked the ideas for, for, for this project. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's people who... I think the best stories for me are the ones who are so similar to us, even though we always thought they were different. So this is what I think is great about the project that you're doing. Because, you know, this urban-rural divide that you were talking about earlier, it is something that often comes up during election season. And then we only cast it in the light of, oh, you know, this is why they're different from us. This is why they vote differently. But actually, the commonalities are far greater. Yeah. I mean, I went, you know, I, when we went to um, Trunganu and all, we went into kind of um, uh, villages, uh, 
Perlis, we went into this little um, fishing village. And we actually just only went in there because we wanted to get a drink. And we had to drive <laughs> to somewhere. And then we sat down. Um, and then they were playing music. They were playing top 40 worldwide music. Okay. Um, in this cafe where everybody was above 60 years old. You know, it... It's not that different from what you will see in a cafe over here, except that over here probably we had twenty five year olds there. Uh, and we, you pay more for coffee, lah. You pay more for coffee. <laughs> uh, we spoke to them, and they all a lot of them, all their children had left basically, um, and they decided to stay because they said, you know, um, what is there in KL that I can do that I can't do over here? You know, they said uh, a couple of them have the internet. <laughs> Um, they say they enjoy they have their community things they go for dance together um, if they want to go and watch a movie they just you know they just have to kind of drive out 15-20 minutes it's not that far I, I want to get out of Bangsa so it takes me 20 minutes to get to Mid Valley <laughs> right so how is it that different in that sense you know maybe that all they can do is walk around barefoot and, and topless if they feel like it when the weather's really nice when they're going out fishing and that kind of stuff you know we don't have kind of Rivers in KL with fish that's with edible in it. That's alive. Yes. <laughs> oh, lots of things that's alive. Oh, in the yes, river exactly. You just don't want to go anywhere close to it. Um, hey, tell me this. Uh, so this year's project, you were speaking to people who were born in '57, and with everything that's happening in Malaysia, with everything, everything that's happening all over the world, I'm curious: Are these individuals hopeful for the future, or were they were their stories steeped in some nostalgia for the past? I think there's a lot of nostalgia just because the nature of these kind of stories, when you're looking back at 60 years, they tend to, to do that. Um, but I think what was really nice is that they, when we, they start talking about teachers and they start talking about music, local artists and stuff, um, they really enjoy being able to say they're still around now. So when they talk about Ellie Cats, for example, first Ellie, first co- local concert they went to was Ellie Cats. And then they always end it with, it's still around now. Um, we interviewed uh, Marina Mahathe and we, you know, and we got a 13-year-old girl Zara Lowe to speak to her to kind of get a two-generation oh, wow. thing. Um, and then they were talking about music and, and Zara loves metal music and Marina was like, really? You know? But then she started talking about um, people that she was listening to, Anita Sarawak and stuff. And then she went, she said, you know, Elikas was a bit later. Then she goes, but they're still around now. And then she gets to talk about Yuna and ZRV and stuff. And I think that's, um, I think in that sense, they're very much rooted in the present. Um, and people like Yuna and ZRV, of course, represent our future. You know, um, these are great people doing great stuff, and will continue to do good stuff. Um, that that I think is the closest we've actually gone into kind of future. But we have this kind of thing. So at the exhibition, um, it's something that we recreated from 2014 that Nini Marini came up with, which was um, we have this aerogram wall. And I don't know if you remember the aerogram. Um, of you would, you would. But of course, I, I used to if, write if, those to my sister. Right? Um, and because we don't see it anymore, I wanted to kind of bring that back, but rooted in the present. All right, kids, for those of you who don't know, the yes. aerogram was this all-in-one envelope letter, letter piece of paper. You wrote in it, you folded it up, you sealed it, and then you just sent it's it like away. It's like a postcard, but it's private. Exactly, a private <laughs> postcard. Um yeah, and basically what we do is we ask people to write notes to their future selves or their past selves. Um, so even and do you send it back to them? No, we do get, them to, we, we oh, get okay. them to paste it there. Okay, nice. Um, but what has happened is now, because we're doing this five-year thing, that we've managed to put some of the things there four years later. And it's really interesting to read back. What people know, thought. What people thought. Um, and then we got another wall this year where people can write this year as well. So hopefully in 10 years, you know, we'll be able to kind of see and if this continues for like 50 years. 
We'll have 50. What else are you going to do, Nikki? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have ideas. I don't have the time. <laughs> oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Um, you know, I, I, I love little projects like this if only because I think a lot of the time we're so bombarded with the official story and the official history. And even those aren't necessarily complete. And there's so many holes that need to be filled in with people's stories. And the more people do this, I think the more those gaps get filled in, you know, and, 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 and you know, not just, not just what happened in the big days, you know, not just what happened in August 31st, 1957 or May 13, 1969. No, I mean, what happened in those intervening years in a small fishing village in Rungganu or Klantan, you know, that kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. And I think the idea is also kind of not just about telling our stories, but using letting us use these stories for us to kind of reflect on our own lives and our own place in, in society, right? So with with the exhibition, and we do almost actually, we try to do it every couple of years um, where there's an on-ground activity. We let people kind of respond. So the aerograms is one way that they can kind of look at these stories and then engage with it. Um, but we also have other things like, uh, so last two years ago, we did this thing called Seeding My Hope where it was the first time I engaged eight young Malaysians to go around KL talking to people and getting them to tell us, us what their hopes are for Malaysia. And they plant the flags in the seed. And this is part of the whole Tanaye thing that I wanted to do with earth and the soil. Um, so this year, we've recreated it. We've re-exhibited the things that we did in 2015. But we're asking people to put their hopes now, for now, for three years and five years. Is that at Quill as well? It's all at Quill. So if you want to kind of really engage with these stories and do these kind of things, you know, pop over there. But the idea is that we can actually see how people's mindsets are. What, what are they thinking about us now? What do they think about our country in three years and in five years? Not their personal selves, but the nation as well. And and then we can see what how it compares to what people were saying two years ago, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's a research project in here somewhere. There is, there is, definitely. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your second PhD, right? <laughs> postdoc, postdoc. Postdoc, postdoc. Hey, um, so Quill City Mall is where they can go. Yes. Uh, from now, it started Until on sat- Saturday, right? Well, it started on September 18, but we launched it on the 26th. Oh, you mean August 18th? Oh, August 18th, sorry. Yep. Yeah. And you launched on the 26th? On the 26th, and it will be running until September 17. All right, fantastic. I urge you to go check it out before I let you go, though. Um, you have a book? I have a book. Yes, you do. Yes. That's available in MPH. Tell people what it's about very quickly. Yeah, so my book is called Growing Up in KL. Um, it, 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 it's, about t- it's about 10 years of stories about, um, about life in Kuala Lumpur. Um, part of my whole kind of storytelling thingy. Uh, it's my, from my column, The Bangsa Boy. Uh, it's on, in MPH 3290, I think. Oh, there you go. Um, but there's a bargain. Come to Quill, there's a big poster of it where you can learn more <laughs> about it. I've put some pages up. Um, so people can kind of see it. But Quill is not just about this exhibition. There's going to be a lot of food. That's like 60 different food booths um, from food from Sabah, Sarawak to all the different parts of, of, of Peninsula Malaysia. Um, and then, of course, theatre performances as well. And the Sajarakitha thing has a hashtag before it. I'm yeah, assuming people can tweet and Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, of course, every year we try and ask people to kind of send their own stories and photos and and things um, this year because it was a five year we wanted to do it more on ground but we're very happy to kind of collect these things because you never know how these kind of things help us plot things for the future yeah you know, you know there's that I guess derogatory political credo that our politicians sometimes throw out called uh, Malayu Muda Lupa right I, I don't think that's true I think Malaysians Muda Lupa and I think that's why it's really important we go and check out this exhibition and, and start telling our stories and chronicling our stories. It doesn't matter where you do it, yeah, right? Yeah, even yeah. even a tweet 
with a hashtag yes. with, a, with, a, with a photo from yeah. 1970 something it's important if we muda lupa let me help you remember <laughs> absolutely rhyming of all absolutely um, you can check out the hashtag Sajarakita exhibition at Quill City Mall uh, all the way through Malaysia Day on September 16th uh, Nikki thank you very much thank you you've been listening to Bookmark on BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.